Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Francesca and Rebel HQ All Star. Always fascinating to have her analysis. Top story of the day. Yep, Congress refuses to work. They want you to work, but they refuse to go to work. All right, here it is. Lawmakers and aides arrived to work and all day basically with a sign that said, in recess, no work to be done here. Government is about to shut down. Let's get into it. Um, the House calendar, it was a calendar that remained officially stuck on October 3rd, Tuesday, the date when House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was ousted and left the chamber without adjourning. The interim speaker eventually managed to adjourn the chamber at 325 p.m. on Wednesday, but the day of inaction still spoke volume. So without an elected speaker, the House is struggling to figure out what to do in these last days or these final days to the next government shutdown showdown, right? So a fill-in Republican, Patrick McHenry of North Carolina can't perform tasks like providing a recess, adjourning the chamber, recognizing speaker nominations. But the House of Representatives is basically frozen. Representative Garrett Graves, a Louisiana Republican, told reporters, we are not able to actually advance legislation. We can't even refer bills to committees. The situation is unprecedented, though, and many are still working to understand the exact limitations of the role. In other words, we don't know what the to do. <laughs> we need a leader. We cannot do things on our own. We're only mere Congress people. Here's the thing. The reality is when we keep saying, well, the government is going to shut down. No, no, no. The government is actually going to continue to operate um, unless Congress shuts it down. You see, when the government shuts down, it's not some automated process. It actually is because Congress failed to do their constitutionally mandated job. Um, it's like when you don't perform at work, that's you not doing the job. The work didn't just stop working or being available for the implementation and execution of your leadership. So here we are. The United yeah. States Congress is about to shut down the government again. I'm also up for debate is how forcefully House Republicans might continue their impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden without an elected speaker to back up the subpoenas they want to issue. Aide speculated the committees could technically continue to pursue business with a legislative purpose, but there is no real precedent that applies. Once again, uh, the interim guy, he was more concerned about telling Nancy Pelosi to get out the office than he was concerned about how to figure out a navigational protocol, given the fact we've never done this to a speaker in the middle of their term. Don't worry about that. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, pack your stuff, get out the office. You were in by way of courtesy of McCarthy. Insane. Uh, you don't actually have an organized house right now. 
And if I were the White House in this situation all day long, I would completely ignore it and say, you don't have the enforcement authority. Despite the serious roadblocks, the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees plan to keep plowing ahead with their investigations, committee aides, and one key member. Uh, we're going to continue to read emails, text messages, put together timelines, try to get people to come in. We're going to keep working like we've been working and continue to follow the money. End what? quote. <laughs> Insane. Uh, the pressure is uh, ramping. Uh, so government funding is set to expire November 17th. November 17th. These folks are, are still worried about Hunter Biden's crack pipe. November 17th, the United States will be adversely impacted one way or the other if they don't get this stuff together. All right, members and aides alike question how they will avert a government shutdown when there is so much uncertainty about the basic rules of House operation. While House Republicans intend to hold a candidate forum for would-be speakers on Tuesday, it could take time for Republicans to unify behind a single one. It took 15 rounds for McCarthy. If you remember, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio and House Minority Leader um, of Louisiana have announced that they are running for the top job. It's going to be interesting, but it's still unclear how they can get House Majority Leader, excuse me, uh, how they can get 218 votes needed to win the gavel. Um, you know, it would be amazing if you all actually were leaders. That means that protocol could be established, votes could be taken, uh, things could get done. Um, but you're concerned about pleasing Donald Trump. And by the way, Sean Hannity has now floated the idea that Trump will be recruited to, you know, be speaker to help the Republicans temporarily. I want to remind everyone that when you speak at the well in the United States Congress, you are immune from civil penalty. You can lie. Say whatever you choose to say. That may be a workaround for the gag orders on Donald Trump presently. Mm. All right, thoughts. I like that. I like that theory. That's very interesting. That being said, like Jim Jordan is still a person. He still wants this job. You know, it's just so funny mm. that Jim Jordan is being asked about Donald Trump on Sean Hannity, and he's like, but, I mean, yeah, maybe, but what about me? You know, like right. that's that's what Donald Trump has done. That's the Donald Trump effect. Uh, I believe it was Anna who said, you know, he's made an entire party of so-called like alpha males into nothing but beta males. That's all they are because they are always going to be in the back burner to Donald Trump. Trump, who again is facing 91 criminal indictments. Let us not forget that. But this is incredible. I love that the like it's like a Roomba that got stuck in a corner, you know, and they're like, I don't know how to turn off. It's just like like the government's like, you have to adjourn me in order for me to stop doing anything. Um, and I think as you pointed out, look, they were already on track to shut down the government. Um, and then they did it anyway through taking away a speaker, which has never been done in the history of the United States Congress. And now everyone doesn't know what to do. And the worst part about it is what we're talking about, which is who is going to succeed Kevin McCarthy. And the reason is, the, the, the real reason we should be concerned is because Republicans are not on the same page with what they want. Kevin McCarthy gave them everything, gave them all the appointments that they wanted to all the committees. They, he kicked off Democrats to the uh, same committees for no other reason than they were Democrats. And now what? He gave them an impeachment inquiry, unilateral impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden, and they're still not satisfied. So what? So what do they, they just want to go dark forever? I mean, 
I'm thankful that the federal government workers right now, whether it's parks, whether it's people on the hill, cafeteria workers, I'm glad they're getting a paycheck. And I hope they continue to and I hope that this sorts itself out by November. Uh, but we shall see. Yeah, updates to come for sure. Former police captain accused of groping, and there's a picture of it, put it up for a mass. There's a lot more detail to this story, that's just one picture. A former Henry County, this is in the state of Georgia, SBU police officer wants her former police captain held accountable for what she said were years of sexual harassment. Let's put her up, she gave an interview on the local news. Atlanta News first did a remarkable job, so did WSB TV. So Wednesday, Christina Gatchel, along with her attorney, revealed a photo to Channel 2 Action News. The photo showed now retired Henry County Police Chief Norman Woody Fowler with his hand on her rear end. Now, uh, I want to remind everybody, she's special victims unit detective. That's what he's doing to her in a picture. And it is evident that he's aware someone is snapping a photo, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, the photo showed uh, the now retired captain doing that. Gatchel, uh, Ms. Gatchel said she was groped by Fowler during his retirement party in 2021. Quote, she says, I'm fighting to hold the police captain who sexually battered me both criminally and civilly responsible. There happened to be a photographer who knew what Fowler had a reputation for and took the picture. That's according to the attorney, Constance Cooper. Cooper said it was clear her client was uncomfortable in the photo. She's trying to avoid physical contact during the hug, Cooper explained. Channel 2's Audrey Washington posed the question to Cooper, what kind of relationship, if any, Gatcho had with Fowler? Quote, they had a professional relationship, just a professional relationship. Yeah, that's it. Gatcho said she is one of eight women, uh-huh. eight, who reported sexual harassment by Fowler. Wednesday, Washington went to the last address listed for Fowler. She learned Fowler had since moved out of town. Washington also called and emailed Henry County Police about the photo and accusation. She did not hear back. Gatchel said she reported Fowler, but was told the Henry County Solicitor's Office would not pursue charges. Quote, Officer Gatchel nonetheless moved forward. And Captain Fowler was allowed to enter an Alfred guilty plea to misdemeanor sexual battery, Cooper explained. So this um, Alfred plea means the guilty plea is not an admission of guilt by the cop uh, that is binding on a civil action. Gatchel says she plans to move forward with the civil case. Everyone who protects and serves, man or woman, deserves to be protected and to serve on equal footing. Uh, The lawsuit also alleges the chief of police and human resources, the director, they failed to act when Officer Gatchel notified them of what was happening to her. Now remember, according to the lawsuit, you got eight other victims here 
And likely the reason why the attorney noted the eight other victims is because at least present, they are willing to be Jane Doe or Jane Doe's in this complaint, providing information that is what's called evidence of pattern behavior. The pattern behavior can be introduced in certain elements of trial. We shall see right now, you can't find the guy. But here's the dynamic Mm. of the industry we're talking about. This lady literally dedicated her life to getting rid of people like him, putting them in jail, prosecuting them. He probably did not like her brand of policing. Maybe this was his way of showing his ultimate authority, having that kind of inappropriate contact with SBU detectives. But there's a picture now. So it's yeah. more than just an allegation. And then the systems that remained protecting this individual, complaints were filed. Multiple women said he was doing this. They were well aware, according to the report. All right, thoughts. I mean, two thoughts really. You know, if this is the way that people in this police department are being treated, then how can we expect them to treat rape victims or sexual assault victims with respect? themselves and take their cases seriously. We know the history of untested rape kits. We know the disbelief, obviously, when it comes to victims going forward. If the buck stops with this guy, who is himself, you know, in an alleged sexual assaulter. And the second thing I will say is, look, this is why we actually need more stringent oversight over two bodies, the police force and Congress and our politicians, why? Because people who make and enforce laws often are the ones who skirt them because they know they are literally the ones implementing the law. And so they can they see themselves as being above it. It does not apply to them. It applies to, you know, ah, the other, the the lowly sexual assaulter, not the sexual assaulter with a badge, with a title. Sexual assaulter with a title and a badge, they, they get exempt from actually having to obey the same laws that they are supposed to come down and and you know use on others. So again, can we understand this is why we actually need far more reform, far more oversight, far more um you know of the things that we have have seen in the past but suddenly we're sort of rolling back on. Yep. Very well said. This is an update to a story we brought you An illegal precinct, cops in Baton Rouge taking individuals into a warehouse, torturing them, sexually humiliating them, threatening them with weapons. Put up the picture full mass. Now we have multiple lawsuits, multiple allegations, not just one. In an update, a set of lawsuits now have been filed against the Baton Rouge Police Department, some of its officers, and the city. These lawsuits reveal shocking allegations of physical abuse, torture, sexual humiliation by police officers against black individuals in custody. Keep that picture up. You're looking at an illegal police precinct. It was not on the books. They took individuals there, tortured them, and many times just let them go. Well, one person decided to file a lawsuit detailing location, officers, tactics, and it blew the case wide open. 
Both complaints provide details of heinous abuse within a location referred to as the Brave Cave. That's what they called it, which is described as a torture warehouse or black site. It was where certain cops took detainees, cut off their communication with the outside world, denied them of their legal counsel, and then subjected them to physical beatings. Now remember, your right to legal counsel is absolute, okay? It's constitutional. The officers named in these suits include former officer Troy Lawrence Jr., Matthew Wallace, Joseph Carboni. Brown suit also mentions an unnamed female officer, and it also mentions the police chief. Now, there's a narrative with the police chief. Now, he is being sued, obviously, in his official capacity. But the police chief is the one who has been firing these corrupt cops, putting them under investigation. But the city council has tried to obstruct his justice against bad cops. And it got so heavy for the chief that he decided to break protocol and address council. We brought this to you. Let me remind you, here it is. 14 police officers were terminated. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight resigned under investigation. And then there's appeals. And you know what you do? You strip my funding. Are you going to pay the attorney all the money that I already owe them for the bad cops? That the civil service board, where we're going to be here tomorrow, and none of y'all going to be here. And y'all sitting here trying to deal off these people's emotions, and some of y'all the problem. Jen Rocker, you sit there, defund defund the police department's budget from a legal standpoint, and then come here because I don't have legal representation, and I got to play lawyer to fight these bad actors. Let's talk facts. Let's talk facts. And then what you do, then you go and you appoint people to the civil service board that have direct ties to the union. There are five people on the civil service board. What's wrong with good law-abiding citizens? You putting people on the civil service board with direct to the ties to the union and wonder why they reverse the decisions that I make. I've been quiet, but I'm not going to be quiet no more. Where were you when they called my kids gangbangers? Where were you? You know about the pictures when they called my black boys gangbangers and I prayed for them. When the former chiefs of police sit down and share pictures of me and my girlfriend and I prayed for them. Where were you, Mocha? When they went to Texas, to the camp, and called me because I was trying to bring reform in this police department. Where were you then speaking up for them? Don't sit here and play like you don't know about this group of body that's trying to force the mayor to sit there and fire me for lies and say I only discipline white folks, which is a lie. Don't pretend like you don't know that. Don't pretend like you don't know that. Talk about my little black kids and I prayed for y'all. Put up the members of council he was referring to at the time. Hmm. These are the council members in question. Naturally, all of them obviously are not against them. If so, he would not have a job right now. But enough of them have been able to consolidate their power, defund his budget so that when he's personally sued, he has no remedy. They also decided to appoint their friends 
to the Civil Service Review Board. They're friends who are affiliated with the police union. They only have five members on this board. So they're stacking the deck mm -hmm. so that this review board can rule against them. Understand the game that they're playing with him. So he decided to do exactly what you just saw. I applaud that amazing police officer. In Jeremy Lee's case, I want to remind you how gruesome it was. He recounts how officers Lawrence and Wallace apprehended him without probable cause in January, brought him to the illegal precinct, the warehouse, and then subjected him to severe beating, resulting in injuries that required hospital treatment. While in custody, all the officers involved turned off their body-worn cameras. They proceeded to handcuff Lee, forced him to the ground, and then engaged in humiliating him, removing his pants to act as if they're searching him. Both officers verbally abused Lee during this ordeal. When Lee posed the question, why was he being detained? Officer Wallace responded, because I said so, end quote. After the unnecessary and illegal strip search, Lee was taken to the Brave Cave where he was subjected to the physical abuse footage. From the body camera shows officers restraining Lee on a paved street. And during their search, pulling down his pants. At a certain moment, one of the officers threatened to use force, saying, quote, I'm about to bat the living crap out of you. End quote. Mm. In an attempt to prevent Lee from resisting. Uh, Lee, in response, denies resisting, challenges the officer by saying, Bat me then. End quote. The suit claimed that not only did the officers and top brass know about the warehouse's use for detainee abuse, but they also made coordinated efforts to shield knowledge of its existence from their very own boss. Mm. One day after the news of the Brave Cave became public, the Ban Rouge mayor shut the facility down. And Lawrence resigned that same day. The FBI has now opened up a civil rights investigation to examine whether members of the police department abused their authority. Now, you can't say people care about the Constitution when they are willingly violating the very basic tenets of that structure. All of these things are more than office violation. This is kidnapping. This is torture. This is terror. This is the KKK. This is what they would do. In 2006, a report came out from the Department of Justice. And it said one of the greatest domestic threats right now in America, white supremacists becoming members of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Not many people paid attention to that report. I think we are now paying attention to that report. Francesca thoughts. I mean, this is a wild case, right? And I think the most interesting part about this, sadly, the idea that a police department has a black site, um, the way that the United States military had a black, have yep. 
has black sites to torture supposed terrorist suspects. Somehow that is the least surprising part of this story. I know, isn't that wild? But hey, we live in the United States of America and we have seen the body cam footage when it is on, right? And we understand that beating people is nothing new. It is awful and I'm so glad that these lawsuits are going forward. And I like my heart goes out to their families and these victims. It does not matter what the crime they are accused of. No one should be treated like that. But this police chief calling out the city council like that and openly saying, look, I understand that the buck does stop with me. However, and I'm not sure, I'm not clear, it seems like he didn't was not aware of these black sites or that this was happening and saying that I'm being the I'm the fall guy effectively and you're leaving me without any budget to actually fight this and then appointing the union. I mean, he's calling the out the union. He's doing yeah. what police officers are told never to do, right? Which is, you know, like the thin blue line, right? Uh, of, of the code, the what is it? The code of conduct, um, the, the blue code or whatever the code right. is. Doc, help me out. It's basically where, you know, you do not call out any of your fellow officers, no matter what they've done. And here's this chief doing the exact opposite, finally doing the right thing. I was trying to read into it. Like, is he you know, what is he doing here? Is this bad faith? Like, how does this work? But no, it seems like you're exactly right. They're trying to make him and only him the fall guy for a broader problem and just kind of wrap this thing up and forget it ever happened. And I hope that neither these victims and plaintiffs nor the police chief let them do that. You know, it's uh, so interesting because some progressives in Louisiana alerted me to this police chief and said they support that police chief because he's up He's on the up and up. Right. And he has been fighting behind the scenes, right? He never came public like that before. But he was so effective in his leadership that progressives were supporting the man. And it was a progressive that tagged me on social media and said, Doc, this is the guy I was telling you about. Yes. And I, I heard that speech. Listen, and the word, the phrase you were looking for is blue shield. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, to him, uh, the only shield that he's concerned about is the shield of right and wrong. And he laid it out. The man actually went against the union, went against his police officers. He's fired roughly 25 to 30 and has them under criminal investigation. You, You can't ask for too much more. And then he gave us more by putting, uh, by putting his mouth, money, Body, family, everything is now on the chopping block in front of the world. Yeah. And how are these individuals going to respond? We will bring you updates as the story develops. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of comments, kind of press for time. Uh, Nadius Maximus, Fran and Dr. Richie. Oh, this is going to be good. Already good. It's already good. Thank you. That's right. Um, uh, dystopian dragon, thank you for that. GOP equals fear, hatred, greed, and cruelty. Cruelty is the point. Yep. Uh, K-Ron Hay, speak the truth. That's right. Uh, Librio, can't wait to see this police chief in the bullpen. We're working on it. Leave it. Ladies and gentlemen. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're you're still free! Back off! 
I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Let's put it up full mass. This is when I say, male Karen, you're not you when you're hungry. This is insanity. Um, according to the post, this individual physically assaulted a fast food worker over a water cup. Um, he decided to pry the water cup um, from behind the counter. He continued to berate employees over a water cup. Um, somebody knows him, okay? And, and I'm going to say it's time for an intervention. He should be arrested. That was physical assault. That was illegal to the employee. Naturally, this should never have occurred. I'm sorry that it did. You deserve much better than what this individual showed you. But I will say this, you all were professional. I'm glad you protected yourself. Um, I would like an update and I hope his ass got locked up. All right, Francesca, thoughts? I just... It's not that serious, dude. Like, come on. And this is the thing. Again, all of these are, you know, we're constantly told by corporations that workers don't want to work. Where nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody doesn't work anymore. No, no, no. Number one, people do want to work. In fact, unemployment is down. People are working. Um, and you have to understand that you need to raise their damn wage, okay? Yes. $20 is now the minimum, all right? It's the one thing Gavin Newsom has done well, raising the minimum wage, not without massive struggles, of course, for the fight for 15 movement here in California and around the country. But this is exactly why, because people feel like no matter whatever bad day they're having, no matter, you know, they weren't able to drink water, whatever happened to them, someone cut them off in traffic, they can go into a restaurant, usually a fast food restaurant, Anywhere they want and just dump all over whatever worker is there, you know, helping feed them food. <laughs> and now, you know, and and this is why it's just like, you know, I would love to see the CEOs of of these fast food restaurants just work one day in their workers' shoes and deal with the kind of Karen's and male Karen's yep. that these folks have to deal with. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I want my initial reaction is. Um, he's mentally unwell, but honestly, that's kind of a slight to those who do have mental illness. No, he's probably just a guy who decided that he was going to freak out at a worker because he could. And so yeah. I agree. I hope there's some kind of consequence because you can't do that. Sorry. That's right. Period. All right. If there's an update, make sure I know. Um, major, major update. Our dear brother. Uh, the mayor, all right, Mondale Robinson, exonerated. Let's remind everyone of the original story. Here it is. 
Um, but what happened was my baby sister called me, my youngest sister called me and told me that the SBI agents were at my mother's house where she's staying right now. And I was like, great, they're investigating this racist leaflet. She's like, no, they're investigating you and I for throwing these leaflets. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I make her put me on speakerphone so I can hear what's going on and also interact with the agents. And that's when it got extremely interesting to me. And also I saw what was at, uh, at play right now. This is the same organization that was investigating me for turning down the statue. And they were loud about that investigation. But when they dropped those charges, they didn't say anything to any of the media sources they had that, that they had previously spoken to. Which is why some people thought that this topic that you was covering a couple of days ago, Doc, was an old topic when in actuality, this is brand new. This is them now investigating me for throwing racist leaflets when we know this is not the case at all. And also the loyal white knights has a long history of behaving like this throughout the state. Not only did they not contact me about who could have done this or follow up on the loyal white knights who, like I said, has already behaved in this manner for the past decade or more throughout our state. They also haven't been to my office to pick up the evidence that I told them about a year ago when they were investigating me about the monument, the death threats, the threats, the racist emails, and also letters. They're still sitting on my desk. Not only that, they didn't even have a clue that the sheriff, the county sheriff, Halifax County Sheriff, had collected about 50 of these leaflets from people's yard the day that it happened. And I know that to be true because when I asked them in my mother's living room, have you all fingerprinted or investigated the leaflets? And he was like, "Oh, I got a picture of it, is what officer or agent White Chief said. And I said, a picture? Why haven't you picked up any? He was like, well, we, there's no need for us to go to people's house and try to pick them up. It's a year later and that, that, that evidence will be contaminated. I said, people's house contaminated. The sheriff came that day and picked up 50 of them. All right, so put up his picture full of mass. I wanna explain a couple of things here. When he was first elected mayor, okay? This was during the big debate about racist statue. Mm-hmm. As state governments, they were passing all of these laws about you cannot, you cannot do anything to them that is protected property. So when he got elected mayor, he couldn't get anyone from the state to do the right thing by removing these symbols of racism. So what did he do? Well, the good mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, got a hammer and tried to tear it down. Well, the hammer didn't work. We're talking about old school, real racist material here. So he got a bulldozer. And he had a friend out to bulldoze it down, put it on live. And he was then under criminal investigation by his own chief of police that ended up being a state investigation. And in the midst of this, the local KK clown chapter decided to put in their voicemail his name and make him enemy number one. And then leaflets, flyers, racist leaflets appeared. And he came on this show, came right here. And he said, it's been a year, a year plus. No movement, no investigation. We don't know what's going on. And then days after that, days after he said that, his sister calls him. She says, brother, the SBI, that's your state investigative authority, 
They're at the house. He says good, because he thinks they are there because the investigation is moving forward. She says, no, 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 they're here to investigate us. And so now he's under investigation again, according to their theory, at least at the time. They said he put the leaflets out, okay? Now, this is what has changed, here it is. Uh, yes, is this Mayor Robertson? Yeah, you can just call me Mondello William, man. Okay, Mr. Mondo Robertson, this is Scott Faircloth, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I spoke to my sister um, a few minutes ago, she said she had, I needed to call you because you had something you wanted to tell me. Um, I have called her um, just a few minutes ago. Um, I've got her polygraph scheduled for September the 19th, 2023 at 10 a.m. Um, I am gonna do that polygraph in Greenville at our district office in Greenville, which is Boulevard in Greenville. Um, at this time, um, I'm not gonna polygraph you at this time, Mr. Mondale. Okay, and and is, is there, is there, is there, uh, a reason because I don't want people saying crazy stuff about me. It's already people. I, I, Go ahead. I, I, I do not need to. I do not need to polygraph you at this time, sir. And, and is there a reason? No, there's not. There's not. I just do not need to interview. I do not need to polygraph you at this time. Uh, so are you guys not focusing on me anymore? I um I have asked Miss. She be willing to take one, and she said that she would be willing to take one. Uh, the purpose of me calling her was to inform her not to come to Raleigh, but uh, that I had spoken with the polygraph examiner, and I was going to do it in Greenville, and um, I would not be polygraphing you at this time. All right. All right. Yep. You have you have a good day, sir. Yep. All right. Bye. Yeah, so according to uh, the mayor, his sister eventually did take the polygraph and she passed it. He claims he was told they no longer had interest in talking to him regards to the investigation. And he assumes that after passing her polygraph that they no longer have interest in talking to her further as well. The letter that was left in the yards of many residents under his jurisdiction is this one. It says, white people of Enfield, you have let an inward tyrant stomp on your heritage. What will you do? Don't let them get away with anything, sign. Loyal white knights. That's the largest section of the KKK. Did you go? Did you polygraph the Grand Wizard, sir? No, I'm asking, did you? Oh, let me help you out. When you all meet on Monday evening, 7 p.m., <laughs> did you ask them, are you willing to take a polygraph? Put them up full mass. This is your SBI director, state investigative authority, Bob Shamir, whose agent, Scott Faircloth, 
was questioned by Mayor Robinson as to why they were investigating him and his family. Possible motive for the initial investigation, quote, for a year now, I've been calling for an investigation into the racist threats I received. The doxing of all my information on racist websites and the racist leaflets left in residence yards. But not until I challenge Secretary Eddie Buffalo publicly do I find out there is an investigation. But not of racist. Instead, they were investigating me. End quote. Um, we are happy to hear that it seems as if, based on what the mayor has at least access to information wise, uh, there is no longer an investigation into him or his family. It would be, well, an act of courtesy for the authorities that be to provide some level of commentary, a statement, something that says, hey, we effed up. All right, Francesca, thoughts here. I mean, this is just wild. You know, this is a mayor, you know, and this is how he's being treated uh, as if he were the criminal here. Uh, and I, I just think a polygraph test, like, uh, is that the best we got? Is that really, is that what we're doing? We're gonna polygraph his sister? Okay, sure. Uh, why don't you just talk to the White Knights chapter? I'm sure they will gladly, they signed. How are you gonna investigate <laughs> the mayor? When the people who put out the leaflet sign the leaflet with their names, I mean, and this is again like in, you know, all we are seeing when it comes to the legacies of white supremacy, you know, this is the same stuff that the South has been dealing with for, you know, since this country was founded. And, and this is what happened when we gave up on the reconstruction, which is defending black elected officials right. when they are elected to office. And again, don't don't like, look, I am so supportive of Mondale Robinson and his mayorship, but it is so hard to be a black elected official in these in these towns where you have this racist violence coming for you. And I just feel like he can't, he should not be alone. There should be special protection. Um, but again, if he was a white mayor who liked Confederate statues, imagine how different he would be treated. It is chilling, it is scary, uh, and also just sending so many, like so much love and so much solidarity to, to Mondale. There it is, well said. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Flint, Flint City Councilwoman called a monkey by this guy. Now, according to multiple members of council that spoke with me directly, he has not apologized. Uh, he has not offered comment on record. Here it is. I'm not like, it is what it is. But unless we address the monkey on the, in the room, in the negative, the negative things that you bring to Cherry, and unless we address that, we are not going to move forward. Plain and simple. The elephant, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, he meant. He said what he meant. Put his picture up again. 
okay? What you just heard was a snippet from a Flint, Michigan city council meeting. The white male speaking, his name is Dennis Pfeiffer. The woman that he called a monkey is councilwoman vice president of council, Dr. Ladale Lewis. Dr. Lewis reached out to me to inform me of what happened. A friend of Dr. Lewis reached out as well to inform me of what happened. I needed more information. To my understanding, this individual has not offered an apology. Now, keep his picture up. Sir, I don't know you, and you don't know me. I would highly encourage you, for the sake of your political career, to give an apology to your colleague. Whatever that apology may be, possibly you will say, oh, it was a slip of the tongue. Uh, or you you meant to say elephant, but you said monkey. Whatever it is, you need to say an apology. Now, if you don't, we're going to be updating the fact that you have not apologized until you do. Now, we got, what, two months and some change uh, left in this year, sir. You don't want to bring in the holidays like this. Fiverr made statements aimed at removing Dr. Lewis from her role as chair of the committee. So understand the context. It was about her as chair of the meeting. Dennis Pfeiffer communicated that in a deeply racist way, stating, quote, unless we address the monkey in the room, the negative things that you bring to chairing, unless we address that, we are not going to move forward, end quote. The language. Is racist. After making the comment, uh, the councilman claimed that he had allegedly used the word and meant to say elephant in the room, not monkey. Well, okay, sir, uh, Freudian slip here, you may call it. Um, however, he's not apologizing. See, that's the part. Because if it was an accident, what do you do when you engage in behavior that was accidental, sir? You say, I am sorry. My apology. Please forgive me. But you did not. Councilman Dennis Fife uh, said Thursday that he doesn't intend to apologize because his remarks were never intended to describe a person, but the issue of dysfunction and division on the council. He said Lewis is attempting to deflect attention away from the vote of no confidence from her colleagues and her lack of leadership. Flint pastors are now demanding an apology from the councilman. Pastors Chris Martin and Alfred Harris made the demand. Take a listen. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the activities at City Hall have gotten totally out of hand. We understand that you want to have differences of opinion. We understand that you want to get angry sometimes, but you have to control that anger and you must respect your colleagues. If you don't do that, then we have, and I'm sorry to say, the circus that we have going on at City Hall. We come here today to demand that things change. We're asking all the council persons to put your personal beliefs behind you and move forward. Watch this, for the greater things. 
Amen. And as Bishop Martin said, we are, you are examples to the entire city. Something has to happen. I don't mind you disagreeing. I don't mind you being angry. But we've got to carry out the city's business without venom. Right. You got to think about this in full context. If the councilman made a mistake, as he's floating, he did. Why would you then be adverse to an apology if your mistake offended somebody? If it was accidentally said, and it is now part of the narrative against you for being racist, but you did it by accident, what is the issue with you not simply saying, I'm sorry? You see, that's the reason why people don't believe you. Now, this is not the first time that black women on the board, on the council, have experienced horrific racism throughout this year. Throughout this year, Lewis and third ward council member Quincy Murphy have each been targeted with racial slurs from first ward councilman Eric Mays, who was referred to, who has referred to the council members, both of whom are black women, as handkerchief head Negroes, Uncle Toms and Sambos. So there's this language context. And we all know uh, Mr. Mays. All right. I actually like some of his retorts, um, given when he is snapped at, he snaps back. So here's what I think has happened. I could be wrong. But Pfeiffer, because of some of the other language that he's heard, he thought maybe, maybe I can engage in, in saying the word monkey and get away with it. No, sir. No, sir. Um, you cannot. And the fact that you even want to be known in this life without offering an apology is telling in itself. Um, so let's dig deep. A lot of issues, a lot of real problems, a lot of actual dynamics that need to be fixed in Flint, and a lot of good hearted people in that city who deserve good leadership. Um, sir, calling someone a monkey, referring to them, as you say, accidentally in that manner, would obviously, obviously uh, warrant an apology. Uh, so yeah. clock is ticking. All right, yeah. thanks, Francesca Thoms. No, just put on your big boy pants and do it. If you misspoke, you misspoke, and that's fine. But the fact that you're not apologizing means it actually kind of feels like you meant to say monkey, right? Like it kind of sounds like it was racist, you know, and that it was by intention. Look, I think that this is, I don't know the the vice chair Lewis. I don't know her background. I don't know if she's a good chair or not. But it is distracting from your entire point if you're trying to depose her, right? Or if you're trying to get to business by not apologizing. And I think that too often we, you know, look, we this might be an instance where we're getting, you know, um, waylaid by a simple mistake. But if it is a simple mistake, then just say you're sorry and move on and make your point. Um, so I don't know. I just feel for the people of Flint. I think it's really important that the city council gets to work. Obviously, we understand that the people of Flint have been wronged um, by their representatives for so long. And so I hope that they can work it out and not um, can move past this eventually and work for the people. Yep, there you go. Tell of a story, a man shot point blank by the police while exiting a building. Here it is. All right. 
you have to brace yourself for that video. We showed a short segment. I'm going to give you the background. Put up the picture for a man. Jacksonville police shot a black male point blank. Michael Hughes, the man's name was Michael Hughes. The incident happened back in March of 2021. It occurred at the Quality Inn in Youngerman Circle. Hughes was shot and killed by a cop named J.H. Wing, W-I-N-G. According to News for Jacks, Jacksonville, Officer Blanchard comes out of the hotel room and into the outdoor hallway, followed by Mr. Hughes. It should be noted that this, at this moment, investigators said Hughes had already been shot twice in the hotel room. Investigators said Hughes had been shot twice. According to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, Hughes fought with J.H. Wing, the officer, inside of the hotel room, got his taser away from him. And tasered the officer, according to their narrative, which led Mr. Wing, led to Wing being shot. Okay, that's what it says, led to Officer Wing being shot. The video outside shows Blanchard backing up, gun drawn. Wing is the last to come into view. And he has his gun drawn. There appears to be a slight, some slight contact between Hughes and Blanchard. And as Blanchard steps to his left, Hughes faces Wing from about six feet. He appears to take one step toward Wing. And that's when Officer Wing fires and Hughes falls to the ground. Okay. Let's go back to the uh, video again. Okay. I want you to see it with the benefit of narrative that you just heard. Now, what is the rule? Well, the law is the individual has to be a current, a current imminent threat to the officer. Not a former threat, not a previous threat, but a right now threat. Because if you're not a right now threat and you decide to shoot a man point blank, that's called murder in this country. Put up the picture. Attorney Harry Daniels actually brought this story to my attention. Great civil rights lawyer and dear friend. He is not the legal representative of any of the parties involved, but he has a disdain for injustice. He sent a statement, it says, and I quote, this video is just another example. The show Jacksonville Sheriff's Office has no regard.
for the constitutional rights and life of citizens in the community they swore to protect and serve. The Department of Justice must come in to investigate and stop these unwarranted uses of force and hold those responsible and their enablers to the rule of law. It will, if not, we will see more beatings and killings of unarmed people in Duval County. There's a response from the family. The family of Hughes has filed a wrongful death lawsuit. And during a Wednesday news conference, attorney Marin Porter called the shooting unjustified and excessive. Quote, it is our position that even if there was a scuffle inside the hotel room, once that scuffle subsided and there was no longer a threat, there was no reason to finish him off, Porter said. Porter said Hughes was injured, disoriented, and no threat to the officers. And I agree with the attorney's assessment. The shooting was rude, justifiable by the state attorney's office. And News 4 Jacks received the ruling in 2022. The state attorney's office ruled that Wing thought Hughes still had his taser when he stepped outside the hotel room, launched at Blanchard and charged at Wing, who fired the fatal shots. Uh, the shooting will now be reviewed by JSO's Response and Resistance Board. Um, and we need a higher level of police accountability and authority to review this as well. Uh, so we're, we're back to the old adage, Oh well, I thought something else was happening. Mm-hmm. And because I thought something else was happening, I went ahead and just killed. All right. And since the Supreme Court said that's cool, it's justified. Francesca, thoughts? I mean, if you cannot subdue a man like that, like, should you even be a right. cop? I mean, this is the whole thing about like, look, I'm I'm not one to say you always need more training, more training, more training, because at the end of the day, that training is still involving a lethal weapon, right? Which is a gun which took this man's life unnecessarily. The real thing is, can you subdue someone with your body, with your, you know, the the non-lethal things you've been given? And yes, a taser is one of them. And no, it's so clear that he did not was not holding a taser. That is that is when you're a successful cop. Your, your car's right there. You almost made it, guys. You, there's two of you, two v one. You almost got it. Oh, but you didn't, and you got scared, and so you killed him. And look, I'm not saying he didn't seem threatening. He was lunging, but he was also unarmed at that point. So you really don't have a good case. And I am very surprised, but okay, I, I shouldn't say surprised at the you know state's attorney's uh, remarks on this, um, saying that it was fair to shoot this gentleman. The last thing I'll say is this was a call made by, I believe, a former girlfriend who was in the hotel room with him um, that she wanted him to leave, which is again, all the time, domestic disputes, right? Things that should be de-escalated are often escalated. And so what was it about the presence and what is it about the presence of police that when they enter a domestic situation, only escalate and elevate the tension, the anger, the danger that someone may lose their life. We need police forces that can actually de-escalate a situation, can talk things down, can make sure there is no threat of violence, which inevitably would lead someone to calm down and calmly exit the situation and make everyone involved safer. But we don't have that police force. Yeah. Well, at least not in majority form, right? Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Well, remember the brutal arrest of Mr. Lakeen Wood? Well, come to find out the cop who beat him has a significant and troubled past. 
Uh, let me remind you, take it to the video. Here it is. You, I missed the beating up. That's crazy. They won't beat no more now. Now we're here. It's crazy. Oh, they're going to block. They're going to stand there and block. Oh, they got a shoe off. I wanted the peppers in there. I think his name Jeff Peppers. He likes to beat people. Let's see if he's bleeding. I can't get no closer. I, I, I can't get no more out of him. He beat up. Can't get up. Oh my God. That's what happens. I, I got the stick in my way. Right? He trying to block it. You got his face, baby? Broad daylight. Broad daylight. Put up the picture full mass. Let me give you the background to one of the officers. Detective Jasu, excuse me, Jasua Gariga has been pointed out by Wood's attorney as the officer responsible for the death of another individual, a young black person named Jamie Johnson. Seeing how they treated Woods, it's no surprise that one or all have a history of beating black bodies. Not only has Gariga been connected to Johnson's case, which turned fatal, but amidst memorials for his death, the cops' race-related text to coworkers show a terrible lack of regard for human life. Mm-hmm. Some backstory behind the shooting. The shooting occurred after this officer and Officer K. Graham pulled Jamie Johnson's car over at about 5.15 p.m. for a seatbelt violation. Chief Jackson Short states in a Critical incident review video that shows officer body cam footage of the traffic stop, shooting, and evidence photos. Gariga smelled the odor of marijuana, according to him, and said Johnson was acting very nervous, Short said. Johnson said he had been smoking hemp. The officer posed the question to the driver, get out of the vehicle, and he complied. Chief TK Waters said at the scene that night, Johnson having complied perfectly up to this point, okay? Uh, he tells the officer he has a legal firearm. The officer asked him if he had anything he needed to know about in the car. Johnson told him he had a gun inside a jacket on the floor. Johnson asked if he could get the receipt for the gun. And the officer, Gariga, told him, I don't want you reaching. Gariga asked if Johnson would mind if officers searched the vehicle, and Johnson said he would. There's nothing, no reason to search my vehicle, sir, he said. I have my legal firearm, and that's about it, okay? Body cam video shows Johnson, a 22-year-old with no criminal history, according to the state attorney's office, 
lunging back into his car where he had a gun during a traffic stop. After Gariga shoots him during a struggle, Johnson is seen on the ground begging for help while officers waited at least two minutes for backup before rendering any aid. Put up the picture. The family of Johnson also questioned the officer's honesty and integrity of his testimony following a lawsuit they filed against him. The lawsuit says it is clear Johnson was shot facing Officer Gariga outside the car, not behind the young man as they struggled inside as the officer testified. It states that the sheriff's office and the state's attorney's office deliberately chose to ignore eyewitness testimony and deemed the officer's actions justified. Instead, Gariga's actions were malicious and or involved reckless, callous, and deliberate indifference to Johnson's rights, the lawsuit stated. Quote, a witness who witnessed the whole thing stated that Jamie was shot and killed while he was standing outside of the vehicle with his hands raised up. This is a witness on record. Daniel said, we believe that is the fatal inconsistency in the story. To rely on all testimony upon Gariga in regards to Jamie Johnson reaching for a gun at the time he shot him. If it is a justified shooting, why lie? Why lie if it's justified? Following his death, protests and memorials demanded body cam footage and justice. That's where we come to the text messages among coworkers. According to First Coast News, the initial message in the gang unit group, this is a group chat, comes from Sergeant Doug Howell who shares a news article about an NFL ceremony honoring the FAMU student. Howell accompanies the link with an emoji showing closed eyes and a flat mouth. Gariga reacts with a face palm emoji and questions the recognition asking, why are they honoring that clown? Talking about the, the, the man that he killed, okay? Uh, Bolin responds with a touch of sarcasm saying, quote, I suppose it would have been more acceptable if Sway, which is Gariga's nickname, had been shot or met a tragic fate. It's truly unbelievable. Bolin replies, if Sway would have been shot or drugged to death, I guess that would have been better. Unreal, they're so far outside of reality, Howell writes. Ignorance in its purest form goes to show no matter how wrong they are, they still will be recognized just because they are black. Gariga responds, adding an okay emoji. All officers involved are still on the street where they belong, according to Sheriff T.K. Waters, who is also being accused of cover-up. It's a damn shame. Um. If the sentiment of the officer is simply offered as proof that this individual may lack the, let's just say, um, discipline needed to be fair, that's enough. But no, not according to the authorities that be. All right, Francesca, thoughts? Yeah, he executed someone. He straight up executed somebody outside of their car with their hands up, according to eyewitnesses. I mean, this is 
These are the terrorists on the street are these cops. I swear to God, and like the okay symbol. So he's an open white supremacist, straight up right there. I mean, not only a racist, you know, we've seen text messages like that. Okay symbol, you're adding just a little tinge of no, 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 I am an open white supremacist right there. And sounds from the sound of his name. And look, my name is, you know, sounds like I'm Italian. I'm also Chinese. Hey, fun. But he sounds like he is Latino. And I think this is really important to remember that like white supremacy is not about the color of your skin and is an ideology that has to do actually with the color of the person of of black American skin. It is an anti black ideology that anyone sadly can participate in. Okay, it is a structure, it is a system, and it is rife throughout our police forces around this country. You know, you got to think about the top cops, supposedly, you know, right? You got to think about Ron DeSantis in Florida. Crime is down in Florida. Yeah, it's up in your police force. That's right, exactly. Uh, and that's, that's crime too. Brett Farr, you know, all the money he took from an entire state, the poorest state in America. Let's put his picture up full mass. Well, he's going to court for that. He's being deposed, finally. So we have an update for you. The NFL Hall of Famer is scheduled to testify in a Mississippi lawsuit, according to court documents. It will be under oath. The retired NFL quarterback, Brett Favre, 53, is scheduled to give a testimony under oath on October 26th at a hotel. He was previously named, along with more than 40 others, as part of a lawsuit by the Mississippi Department of Human Services to regain some uh, misspent Welfare funds. Keep his picture up. Okay. You're looking at Brett Favre, the welfare queen. This man took millions. Okay. Not just him, but a few other people that are seemingly rich. And then the back and forth text messages. Brett Favre literally says, Is anybody going to find out about this? I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what the man said. It's part of the record. Now, let me remind you of why this investigation even exists. The lawsuit was filed after an investigation from Mississippi's state auditor, Shad White, found that approximately 77 million, did you hear what I just said? $77 million in temporary assistance for needy families, TANF funds. From 2016 to 2019, had not gone to families in need, but instead were used to fund projects by Brett Favre and several others per the outlets. Now, now, do I need to remind you they will prosecute a person on TANF for $300 mm-hmm. for pennies? Okay, you'll get a, a criminal charge if they think there's some level of malfeasance. 77 million is what we're talking about here. There's more. Shad White said he discovered that about 5 million of TANF funds were used to fund a volleyball arena at Brett's alma mater, the University of Southern Mississippi. That's where his daughter played volleyball. Approximately 1.7 million also went to developing a treatment drug for concussions, which was supported 
by the NFL Hall of Famer. Um, now, remember, it was him, that man, who said via text message about the money going to the university, hey, uh, is anybody going to know that this is how it, how it came? Sir, if, if this is all up and up, why are you concerned about that? It also, it's also been claimed that he was given $1.1 million for motivational speeches that he never made. Damn, man. <sighs> you could have at least tried to encourage somebody. If you're going to take everyone's money, at least try to make someone feel better. Sir, you're getting paid a cool $1.1 million. So uh, he said he repaid the money, but the auditor said, he still owes about $200,000 in interest. Uh, he has denied all wrongdoing in this case and said he had he had not known. He did not know this was um, TANF money. A total of eight people have been indicted in this case so far. So I want you to understand his affirmative defense. He's not saying he didn't do it. He just said, I, I just didn't know I was involved in anything illegal, sir. That's all. All right, Francesca, thoughts here. $70 million, not just stolen by Brett Favre, but other people. I mean, politicians do not care about families. They don't care about poor people. This story is wild. Right now, Republicans are telling us that we spend far too much money on the poor and the needy and the people who need health care and like kids or whatever. We need to cut back. We need to spend less, you know? And meanwhile, rich people are gouging a state like Mississippi's funds for. Literally, you're taking food out of starving kids' mouths. That's exactly what you're doing. There's no other way to cut it. For speeches, you didn't even give. I mean, wild. For the volleyball. Oh, I'm so glad volleyball is doing really well at the, at your school. Amazing. Right. Um, kids are malnourished in Mississippi, but cool right. that your volleyball uh, uh, is is going strong. This that story, money. we should we should stay on this forever. Oh, I can't yeah. get over it. That money was supposed to help the poorest residents inside of the poorest state in this entire country. Shame on all of you. All right. Um, always good to just to have you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Yeah, listen to the Bituation Room podcast. I can say it. I know the doc has trouble <laughs> with that one. Um, and also watch me live um, in San Francisco Tuesday, October 17th at the Punchline in San Francisco. I already said that. Get tickets. It'll be great. Come out. Everyone who's a fan of TYT, I'd love to see you there. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Thank you for all you do. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember the truth, always indisputable.